Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and how when you download this podcast, you're actually downloading a string of code that tells the vibrating magnets in your headphones or speakers how to perfectly replicate the podcast you think you downloaded. What? My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly. Hey. Lucas Allen. Good evening. Together, we are the Inglorious Pastors. What was that? I don't know. Trying to switch it up. Uh, Matt is busy uh, taking. Uh, he informed me that he's taking comedy lessons. So, <laughs> I, I thought learned. he. I thought he ascended to Nirvana. Well, that little it's turning into a regular Tick Matt Han over there. <laughs> Tick Matt Han. Yes. I've been sitting on that for like yeah. three days. <laughs> I love it. Um, so uh, I think Matt will be in it back next week. I think so. Lord will, and if, and if the creek don't rise. Don't rise. <laughs> Um, I hate to tell you guys about global warming, but uh, it's not creeks are down. <laughs> oh, Climate change update: creeks are down. Yes, oceans are up. Creeks are down. Yes. Yep. back to you, Ted. <laughs> uh, announcements: that were, uh, Philip Gully book winners. Yeah, yeah. So let's. Do you, uh, have, a, do you have a drum roll? Yeah, a really bad one still. <laughs> um, Dan Burgess at DP. Burgers and fries. <laughs> All um, right. DP Burge. DP Burgey Burge. Um, and then uh, number two. Five hours later. Help me, Jesus! <laughs> Jenny Oxley at no, or Nosy Rosy Mom. Hey. There we go. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least... <laughs> Wow. Uh, hi, Jonathan Merritt listeners. How's it going? You might want to fast forward a little bit. There's a lot of bullshit to get to Jonathan Merritt, but there it is. Uh, Alapaki at Pakia Koi. Wins oh, man. We got to ship that damn thing to Hawaii. Is he in Hawaii? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> It'll be there. New winner. It'll be there in six months. Enjoy it. <laughs> he's, he's getting the ebook. Don't worry. No. We'll do a physical book. Assuming it can make it to Hawaii. You'll get in about three and a For half weeks. $45 shipping. Yeah. But, well, but by the time it ships out, global warming will have affected yes. uh, the island. Yes. And we'll be all underwater. be connected by water. Yes. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, so without further ado, um, let's go. Whoa, hey, that's great. Low end. Hey, hey, what are you drinking? Hey, hey, I've been thinking that if we're gonna get through this, we're gonna need some fluid. So, hey, hey, what are you drinking now? Were you singing on that just now? Just there at the end. Okay. Just. We're just like I do. Matt and Brad are making eye contact. Hey, Bubby. <laughs> Hi, Bubby. Hey. It's not. Matt, he's on the podcast. He's Matt's just heard it. It's not weird at all to like be recording this in your house and yeah. have you not be a part of it. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> What'd you say? You'll be fine. Yeah, we'll make okay. it. We'll talk um, about him more when he goes upstairs. Yeah, we'll just wait. <laughs> wait. Wait for him. All right, wait for him. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What are we drinking? Um, well, everybody's drinking something a little different. Drinking had, Matt's beer. Yeah. Pineapple orange spin off I had a tax man. Yeah. I'm having one of those too. And it's awesome. Uh, I also had the Sam Adams pumpkin ale. 
Oh. So I didn't even know they made a pumpkin. It's all right. Yeah. It's... Matt, send us the bill, okay? <laughs> oh, he oh he will. <laughs> send us our tab. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just that's just an okay pumpkin beer. Yeah, it's not their best. I don't think fine. I've ever. I didn't know they made pumpkin beer. I knew that you Oktoberfest. literally had one the other night. No, I'd Oktoberfest. Oh, okay. I thought you that's had a different pumpkin. than pumpkin. It is. Yeah, yeah. their Oktoberfest is ridiculous. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And Lucas, I have there? Danny Boy's Mac Daddy Scotch Ale. Yes, uh, it's it's good. Yep. Wicked awesome oh, beer. Daddy it is a good beer. That's and a really fun brewery. We need to uh, get up there. They've got food. And it's just a nice, nice little place. They got a Danny Boy in Bloomington. They got a little That's spot. right, they do. Yeah. They have a bagpiper on Fridays. Stand out front and play bagpipes for <laughs> nice. half an hour. A bagpiper on Fridays. Boy, that doesn't draw you straight there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I want more than I'm trying to have a conversation. <laughs> you know my son is a bagpipe player, right? <laughs> is he really? <laughs> he's learned, he's... I love bagpipes in a parade or yeah, whatever yeah. like when there's like when they're walking by like we had bagpipers in our fall parade loved it but man like j- i can't imagine just sitting there yeah. and listening to that he, like he's been <laughs> learning for like a year and a half he just got pipes so he had the little chanter which is just like an obnoxious recorder yeah <laughs> but he actually got a full set of pipes and so now he has to practice outside <laughs> He's like standing. It's very picturesque on our property. He's like standing on the hilltop. Playing. That's amazing. And he'll be out there. He's practicing Amazing Grace, you know, because that's the backpipe song. But then he starts playing like Smash Mouth on it. <laughs> and like the Emperor's theme. Well be walking on the sun. Yeah, not that song. That's really good. <laughs> but the neighbors, yeah, you can hear it for. I'm sure. Ever. It's so, not a quiet instrument. No, There's no this, way to make what it. What was the Smash Mouth? All Stars. Yeah. Hey now. Yeah. We're an all time. So there's there's just you're driving through the country and there's somebody playing All Star so, on a bagpipe out so in the distance. Great. Hey, when I was a teenager, I played the bagpipe. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Yeah. That's a that's a perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, this round is on uh, the Pastors Pub. If you'd like to buy us around, go to patreon.com slash pastorspodcast. You will get access to our spinoff podcasts, um, access to the Pastors Pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, and just about everything else. Things discussed in the pub this week, Eugene Peterson's death. So, yeah. <clears throat> wonder if he's going to take that back, too. What? <laughs> what? He got it. All right. Uh, I love Eugene Peterson, and that was a great joke. God, you're a terrible person, Michael. You're just the fuck. God, all week I was thinking, please tell me he's not going to make a Eugene Peterson is dead to me joke. I didn't make it. He didn't. I made a different one. God. Eugene specific. He should feel loved because it's crafted for him. just the worst person. Um, Josh Harris uh, is kissing, I kiss, dating, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, Did, I don't, man. Didn't he do that like two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, but Is he's this actually like going to actually stop making money off of it, allegedly. Oh. He's going to not sell the book. So Okay. Which, I mean, go to the local used bookstore and there's like 20 copies of it. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't, man. I don't know. I, I can understand the outrage and, and the skepticism of the fact that he is trying to sell another book right now. Yeah. I get that. Like, I, I just don't have the connection with that book. I never read it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just, yeah, I just couldn't give a damn, but I understand how it's some people, terrible. I know I, I it's and I get that it's done a lot of damage to a lot of people. I, I don't know, man. I just don't even, I'm not even taking a side in the whole thing because I just, it just didn't affect me. Because you're too privileged to care. Well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I, the Michael I mean, that's your argument. <laughs> that's where I am. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have, I just don't have the anger about the book yeah. that other people do because I just didn't read it and mm-hmm. it just really wasn't a part of my life. Did you ever kiss dating goodbye? No. Were you? I, no, I, yeah, did I did you because nobody would date me. <laughs> I didn't have a fucking choice. Like, Brad Polly, the origin of incel movement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I mean, I didn't... Re- I didn't need to read it because I, yeah, it wasn't like I was, they had a lot of girls beating down my door. So I kissed my right hand. Goodbye. Yeah. Now that was a different yes, book. That was exactly. Oppressive. They, I could not get it published. <laughs> I tried. Uh, Jerking off. <laughs> okay. Uh, also discussing the pub, name something odd that you love the smell of. Yeah. I said asphalt. Love the smell of asphalt. Mm. What do you got? I don't remember. Did I? Did you? I, I don't know if you answered. I, you know, I, I agreed. I agreed with someone. Secondhand smoke. That's weird. Outside. See, that's weird, man. Like not, I can't. Stand not in a bar that. or something. Uh, oh, I love. Another it. one I like is far away skunk smell. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. When it gets close and like yeah. your nose hairs not cringe. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad. But yeah. yeah. But I don't yeah, know. They, I I don't like anything I can think of that belly button like super, No, gross. <laughs> um. New books, but that's not really uncommon. No, that's not, that's a great smell though. Yeah. Old books is a great smell too. Uh, nature's laxative. New books. It is new bookstore. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just, if uh, I've ever constipated, I'm going straight to a Barnes and Noble. Yep. So I'm just going to stay in there for about 3.5 seconds, and then well, there it is. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, the fake Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Uh, found out some of those bad boys were fake. So. Well, boy, they're. The, the museum of the Bible is not going to get my money now. Yeah. I can tell you that <laughs> the museum of the Bible. Yeah. In DC, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was planning a pilgrimage, but yeah. not, not anymore. Yeah. I, I want the real thing. I don't want fake dead sea scrolls. Yeah. Give me I, the, want, I want the Bible. Jesus wrote with his own hand <laughs> That's right. with his yes. Holy ghost spirit. Yes. <laughs> Dear Lucas, <laughs> this is, I, I read the Bible the as a Patrick love letter Swayze. to me. It's <laughs> a love letter to me. Let's write the Bible together. I'll show, I'll show you how to make some pottery, too. <laughs> Lucas, Lucas sitting at his computer writing a sermon is like, like to me, more with, with the potter's wheel. It's pretty ghost. similar. Yes, that's it's it. like G.I. Jane to me more, but with the haircut, but still. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Man, um, uh, yeah, fantasy football update. Justin Combs is still undefeated. He's so. killing it. He is killing it. I feel bad for all the guys who have more points than he does, but God, have I'm, lost. I'm three and four. I've won three of my last four, so yeah. I'm maybe maybe finding a, a you almost, little bit of a groove. You almost made the top ten in Did terms I? of scores. Yeah, yeah, you're I'm, top twelve. Uh, almost leading my division in points, and yeah. I'm three and four. Yeah. Mm. I am <laughs> terrible. I have had one. Point. Lucas, how are you doing? How's, how's my buddy Lucas doing? Is he still at the bottom? No, he's, no, he's not. He's not, he's the, not bad. the bottom. The new bottom is, uh, for the Sacco rankings, is Austin Craig Smith. Yeah. Right. Austin Craig Doesn't Smith, our new bottom. 0-7. Oh, new bottom. Power bottom. So. Yep. Uh, 
Let's not call him a power bottom. He's, you know. He's, no, I mean, he definitely he's shot right he's to the bottom. The there's, nothing, there's nothing powerful about his performance. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, here. Let's. Oh, man. I can't believe we're going to do this. But uh, where's where's the theme song? I don't even know where it went. God. I've already tried to, to delete the theme song. Here. Hey. Come over and have a seat. This is the CCM. It's so weird hearing that when you're sitting right next to me. So, um, it's so off. Hey, got a lot of complaints about this new segment. So, in typical, so here we are fashion, doing it again. We're going to double down. So, uh, this one's going to be a little bit different because you two have never heard this song, right? That's true. Definitely. So, not. this is a song called uh, The Lumber Song by a guy named Eli. Um, from his uh, acclaimed album, Things I Prayed For. Oh, he's so. got flowing locks. Oh, man. Yes. So before we get into it, what man, would this you... is from 98. This song was not even on my radar. Yeah. I have never heard this song before. Um, You're about to hear it. So I'm going to look up the lyrics and uh, read uh, along. Okay. So here we go. I love this opening. Here. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. Wait, 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 wait for it. <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> Gotta love the pipe. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jesus was a manly man. A manly man was he. He was a carpenter. <laughs> he bought lumber. Later on, he built his own cross. Dude, Dude it's so sincere. So bad. Walk with me if you will. Take you to the house you Is built. he supposed to be? Is he Irish? No. He just thinks he's Irish. Just in the song. So he he, he goes sees yeah, the He gets a shack in heaven. Oh. That's all the lumber. Wow. Nothing oh. like earning your way to heaven, yeah. kids. It's all the lumber you said. And you don't have any jewels in your cramp in your crown either. Bro. Hate to break it to you. Looks like the builder. Man, he's got your number. Because that's all the lumber you said. Wow. They're like, what if we like went for this like Dave Matthews rusted root vibe a few years too late? Let's just pretend like you're on the in the Shire. Yes, that's what you yeah. do. You're a terrible person. I'm afraid it's so. God. I know. I know these words too much. Wow. wow. You should have worked. Nothing cheap. There's no ladies across the street. That's a star. Uh, Pete. Oh, uh, old Pete. Oh, St. Pete. <laughs> That's all the lumber you get. Jesus, Wait, we this do is the bad. Pete Holmes, sing along with a song you've never heard before, game. Man, he's got your number. number. That's all, all the lumber you said. Hey, what if that man were you and you'd failed that miserably? Oh, that would suck. Oh, great. Oh, God. <laughs> 
<laughs> this song just got worse. <laughs> Matt's setting up his mic. <laughs> just what we needed. <laughs> God, turn this shit yeah. off. Wait, I feel like there's going to be a punchline, though. Wait. Sit it back to it again. Is that something you can do? It's not up to me. Wow. This is such bullshit theology. Wow. Take a wife and make a stand. Oh. Only way you can do it. Wow. You get yourself a virtuous woman. She's going to send some wood your way. Dude. Hey, he's got a gigantic pile of wood. <laughs> okay. He's like, wait until morning. I'll have plenty of wood for you. I'll make it stop. Oh. The big boss will help you hammer it all together. Wow. There's like a no, no. This this and Breakfast in Hell are like perfect songs to pair. Uh, we need to do Breakfast in Hell. It's a perfect pairing. Yeah. yeah. God, it is that is some really really bad theology. Wow. It's straight from the Bible. It's yeah. like Michael, stop. We don't need to fade out. Seriously. So spiritual, guys. No, it is. It's really bad. I tried so, singing it spiritually. It still yeah. didn't work. So the moral of that of that. God. Song is that the the acts you do here on earth <laughs> affect your size of your mansion in heaven. Yes, that is literally mm-hmm. the entire message of that song. And guess what? That's you've it. got a shack. My, you've God. got a shack coming. But your shack is in a place where there's no suffering. There's no comparison. So wow. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Man, so. that was wow. Worse than I could have imagined. Yeah. Thank I, you it for that. really was not Whoa. what I expected. Oh boy! So uh, Matt has uh, decided. All right, to I show guess up. that's my cue. All right, we will drive back. To <laughs> Tick Matt hat on, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, uh, <laughs> Tick Matt on. Hey, buddy. Uh, so um, well, I figured I should come, and since Brad's the only one that shows up and Lucas is here, I figured I would do that at least once. He oh, came to defend his day. honor. <laughs> Um, I, there, there is no honor, Lucas. I have no honor left. There's no. nothing left. Nope. So how are the, the comedy lessons going? You got any zingers for us? <laughs> Pop Pop have any zingers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, let's do news Where are we? It's time right, for the let's news go into the This is going to last forever. <laughs> Should I do the yeah. nice one or the not so nice one first? Um, oh. I'll do a nice one. Yeah, do the nice one first. Let's really world's, build it up then break it down. World's oldest intact shipwreck discovered in the Black Sea. Hmm. Carbon dated to 500 BC. Hmm. This ship is found at the bottom of the sea. Uh, it may have been depicted on an ancient vase. 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 So they th- uh, this is the oldest vessel ever found, 2,500 years old, and it is in perfect condition at the bottom of the Black Sea. Wow. Like, it looks, they said it looks like the day it sunk. Oh. And it's 2,500 years work. old. Nice. Uh, it's been preserved by, let's see, because the Black Sea has no oxygen, the vessel has been so well preserved <laughs> that even monkfish bones... The monkfish bones showing what people were eating are intact on its deck. Jeez. Wow. Huh. 
That's yeah. impressive. More yep. Uh That was your so uplifting one. Among the... Uh, so as well as <laughs> the shipwrecks, fish. the survey has revealed a Bronze Age settlement as well, submerged below the seabed. Oh. How'd well. they get it to float? Next story. So, so you see, I think a little girl walked in and walked in the yes. Black Sea and found yes. the ship and the city. That's right. Like, yeah, what's this? All right, now for this. Is one. That, was, uh, that a, was that just to confirm that uh, the the flood actually did happen? Yeah, there's still hope. No, I, we can I still find told it. the story because that kind of stuff is fascinating to me. I really enjoy. But the, but the flood did happen, right? No, it didn't. Yeah. Oh, damn. All right. So there is a city at the bottom of it, too? Yeah. Look, they, so you have they haven't excavated it yet. Are you but a flood truther? Of one, so. That's interesting. I yeah. mean, I stand alone <laughs> on the word of God when it comes to the great deluge <laughs> of Noah. <laughs> favorite, favorite don't tell part. me about the Sumerian deluge stories. I don't care. Favorite part not of, the, in the Bible. of the ark stories when he gets off the, we, we did the have, ark and we, gets drunk. Yeah, and drunk and naked. With his, yeah. First thing I do, he's yeah. like, I've been driving for 40 days and yeah. 40 nights. I haven't been able to drink. Yeah. The Matt Polly story. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> It feels weird with you being at the, on this, it really, this side. It really is a story that it's kind of amazing that we're so popular telling it to children in churches. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a this is a story about mass genocide. Story. Yeah. God, this is when God hated everyone on earth, including every including animal except every for two. Animal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next story. Uh, pensioner banned from every farm in Britain for fist, fisting a cow. <laughs> well, I feel like the headline really says that sells that story. Really, not much. To read nowhere else to go after that. John Kerno, uh, 80. So no. now the guy. 80 years old was caught masturbating with his entire hand in a cow. I don't get that. <laughs> Why? I don't think Why you I don't think you need to overthink it, Michael. Like I, I think it pretty much says everything it needs to say. One hand in the cow. One I'm just trying to figure it out. So okay. uh Yeah, is, a pensioner from West is, London. A bird in the hands worth two in the bush. Is that okay. where you're going with it? A bird in the hand is worth two in the cow. A bird in the hand is worth a fist in the cow. cow. Yeah. yeah. A pensioner from West London has been found guilty of two counts of outraging public decency and banned from every farm in Britain (laughs) after being caught masturbating with his hand fully inside a cow. (laughs) Uxbridge Magistrates Court heard that 80-year-old John Curnow had twice been spotted assaulting cows at Park Lodge Farm in Uxbridge, West London. Farmer Hmm. Susan Howey told the court that the first time she saw Curnow in her field... He, quote, had his left hand interfering with the cow and his right (laughs) hand on a part of his lower body. He was masturbating. You could see it moving up and down in his trousers and his boxer shorts were at his ankles. First of all, kudos for the 80-year-old to still be able to get it up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he it, was does, using it, does take, it does take fisting a cow to get the him there. The second but. time, Kerno, quote, had his whole hand the in the cow. Time. And when he realized he'd been rumbled, he grabbed his trousers and boxers and he ran for the style. And he actually fell over the style because his trousers fell down when he was trying to get over <laughs> And it. broke his dick. Oh, half. man, I wish they had pictures of this, a video of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, wait, I, I, wait, what? Just the part of him running away. <laughs> There's probably, The earlier part probably, I don't care for. I don't really want to see that part of it, but him trying <laughs> with his pants caught down. Michael, I'm sure Pornhub has something that will, uh, <laughs> yeah. if that's a need that oh, you have. No, I don't need to. No, I just want to see an old dude tripping <laughs> on his pants. I just think it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious that his punishment is 
you are banned from every goddamn farm in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, well, in that's this entire, like in this entire Great Britain, you are not to set foot on a farm ever. And once you get out of London, it's like all the farm. All farm, yeah. yeah. Like, stay yep. away from the sheep, buddy. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I guess he does know where the beef is. Thank you. See, I've been working on my jokes, Michael. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's really paying cuts. off. Mm-hmm. How much are they, they charging you? I don't know. Not enough. <laughs> Um, Aren't I you just, glad I'm here? That's I all really I have a lot of questions. Questions about is it Michael? The guy was fisting a fucking cow. There's yeah, no questions. There's really, what questions could you possibly? There's have? really nothing else to know about what the story. Buddy. Or he was fist fucking a cow. I guess what. What? Oh my! What leads a man to this. What place? leads a man to <laughs> yeah. be like? You got to figure. Is, you got to figure what it takes to get me off. You got to figure there's a progression yeah. to get to that point. Like you don't just wake up one day and go, "I'm gonna fist a cow." Like yeah. it just. It, there's got to be some sort of. I've woken some, up with some odd choices there, in my life. Like I'm gonna do be this some, today. There's got to be some clicks years and decades before that. That just sort of. Is this where Richard Gere ends up? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it starts with gerbils and gerbils. Is, this so where, is that where it and starts? And then you're inside yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just Starts wondering. Starts with gerbils. You work your way up to ferrets. Uh, oh well, man. I'm just wondering. So I'm just imagining two guys, 6 a.m. inside Burger King, drinking their BK Joe coffee. One of them says, man, I just can't get it up like I used to. The other one's like, have you, have you tried fisting a cow? <laughs> Because it really, it's really something. You should, wonders. You should try it out. Oh. The, the wonder-working power of fisting a cow. <laughs> hmm. uh, well, have we exhausted that topic yet? I think so. Yeah. Okay, good. Yep. <laughs> well, wow. I think after the headline, it was pretty really, well exhausted. There wasn't, there wasn't much story <laughs> nope, after that. Nope. I think it really it kind of... pretty uh, much speaks yeah. for itself. Yeah, they didn't bury the lead on that no. one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this... Um, Get it? Bury the lead? What? <laughs> Lucas, what do you got? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Never mind. I'll explain it later. Uh, oh, God. I hope he buried his left and kept his right <laughs> out. But, um, uh, so Maybe he's ambidextrous. <laughs> from Twitter, uh, a young woman named Megan Finger... Oh, okay. No, wait. Her. No, stop. No, <laughs> no, no. Got, that uh, is not her uh, name. There's <laughs> no possible <laughs> way. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me just... <clears throat> Um, Didn't touch her. She she enrolled in college, and her college gave her her new email address. Megan Finger's email address was fingerme at. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Edu. Um, at where edu? At yeah, you want to know? No, I don't. don't. Never mind. Don't, let's not give her email address. Yeah, we'll give her email out. Uh, yeah, it was. It was it was finger me, and uh, <laughs> nobody noticed that. I mean, seriously. Yeah. No, so we didn't. Everybody's, everybody's been emailing her. Um, <laughs> that poor girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, kind of the best <laughs> ever. Um she she oh actually she did get her her email changed. Oh. Um, <laughs> finger blast. <laughs> I'm not sure like anything really works. Finger no. Meg. Yeah. Finger Mega. Meg. Finger Mega. No. <laughs> finger Maga. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, so she got an email. 
I think yesterday maybe that. Oh man. Uh, they changed her email to mfinger at cwu. I'm not sure that's, I mean, that's better, like, but like the, the IT guy she, I be like, can after we all this, change her name. After please. all this, she just gave her college the mfinger and walked <laughs> off. Wow. So, but like, I was like, oh man, it's so perfect, and I wish. I could do that. I don't know. I tried to come up with cool, like, what could you do with my name? Yeah. To get a... Uh-huh. And, like... Dirty? Yeah. Dirty. I didn't get anything dirty. I could get, like, Alelu would be, like, the only thing. So, it'd be, like, somebody else is, like, praise ye the Lord. And you're, like, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> praise ye the Lord. I, I was trying to come up... The only thing I got... Praise Brad Brad could Lord, be uh, the Brapole. 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 <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So, <laughs> the bra I don't know. Paul Palma. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I got another. Palma, Palma works. <laughs> so, it's a um, joke, Mark. Yeah. Great. Uh, this yeah. is a this is a rare thing. I I ran across a sports story actually. From, oh, Lucas with the sports department. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sports anchor Lucas Allen. I don't know if you guys are fans <laughs> of the L.A. Lakers. Kobe. <laughs> Yeah, they're from Kobe's the. Kobe's been long. Yeah, he's been gone for a couple. <laughs> from the city of angels. Um, so the other night, some player who I don't know and LeBron not, James is that it? Uh, Rajon Rondo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Chris like, Paul. Isn't he like seventy five? He's, he's been, been, he's been in the rock. league forever. So is Chris Paul. They've played for every team yeah. in the league. So so Rajon uh, spit in Paul's face, leading to a fight. You yeah, guys, you I guys, saw it. okay, yep. yeah. I didn't see it. I, I saw it on I Sports didn't see Center, it. Yeah. Rondo's kind of a dick. So as Paul is being escorted from the cart, from the court, front row seat sitter for the city he lives in, the city of angels, <laughs> Anthony Kiedis, <laughs> gets up, is like walking over and yelling at him. People are holding him back, and he like stands there and flips him off. So Anthony Kiedis got kicked out um, for telling for telling Chris Paul to suck his kiss. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, <laughs> I was sitting there trying to think of a good. I know it's um, pepper spawn, it's, but you it's, got it. It's really a shame because you know sometimes he feels like he doesn't have a partner, and his only friend is. Well, there was a follow-up to that story. Did you hear where they found him? Oh God, no. under the bridge. Yeah, they're always wandering around under the bridge, <laughs> waiting for waiting yeah. to flee. Yeah. Have you guys heard? In his sock. They the chili he peppers. Was, he was escorted to jail by Danny California. <laughs> Um, where he found two of the blood two of blood sugar sex and magic I'll let you guess which two (laughs) give that one a second Um, (laughs) so it'll land eventually don't worry yeah so you know it was a that was pretty exciting. And the picture, I haven't seen Anthony Kiedis in a while. I don't know if he doesn't know. look. He's I'm thinking he's a little grizzled. He's like, days. man, he looks like a he looks like a porn star. <laughs> is, that, is that Iggy Pop with a mustache? <laughs> if we had if we had let Freddie Mercury Bro. live thirty more years, yeah. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, wait, I mean, if <laughs> if AIDS had let him live thirty more years, God, what is he doing? Yeah, it's, what it's is it about a guy look. that's like, I'm a rock star, I got millions of dollars, I'm just gonna look like shit for the rest yeah. of my life, and I don't care. Yeah. I do that for free. <laughs> like Justin Bieber <laughs> just wears sweatpants and looks like a hobo all day yep. now. Like, oh, okay. So anyway, God, that's uh, that's ex- have you guys. I don't know if you guys know like Chili Peppers stuff before Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm-mm. I don't know. Like Mother's I don't Milk. Know no. them they ever. had a song called LA Lakers, and oh. it was awesome. Really? 
Yeah, everything they did back there was like super fast and fleas like. That'll be on our CCM corner next week. Yeah, and it was like LA Lakers fast break makers kings of the court, and it just oh, it was so good. Listen to that. And then they did California Cation. So that's it. That's my contribution. All right. Do you have one? I do. Oh, what do you know? What do you know? Dude, I've been saving them up. Are you kidding? <laughs> I had like six weeks to save this shit up. Let's, let's watch Matt blow his load. Jerking off. <laughs> Built Just up. go. Let's God, hear, I need let's to go your, home. To your blue ball <laughs> story. Um, okay, so I have a good one, actually, uh, from the New York Times, who are man, maybe on your side. Uh, world's oldest barber is 107, still cutting hair full time. Huh. Yeah. All right. Anthony Mancinelli. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, what else? What else would it be? Um, oh he, no, that, no wait, That's the guy that became the customer. Never mind. Uh, is this in New York? Uh, John O'Rourke. Yes, it's in New York. Uh, oh, so he's John O'Rourke is the uh, well O'Rourke. So yeah, uh, is the hair is the guy that cuts it. He calls him Hey Paisan. Same as usual. <laughs> oh no, Mr. Manson. Okay, sorry, Mr. Mansonelli is the barber. <laughs> just tripping. Over I am. Dick on this one. I'm uh, I'm out of practice. I when, would say when you're he drunk, started, but you just got here. Anyway. When he started cutting hair, he would have never cut an Irish guy's hair. Probably not. You gotta. Probably you gotta. not. Anyway, it's um, anyway, the guy's been. Uh, he's just been cutting hair for. See, he's 107. He works full time, cutting hair five days a week from noon to eight. Uh, he's been working in a barber shop since he was 11. Warren Harding was the was wow. in the White House. Wow, God, that is nuts. In 2007, at a mere 96 years old, he was recognized by Guinness World Records as the oldest working barber. Since then, the commendations have rolled in. He keeps breaking his own record. Um, yeah, I mean, he just the guy just he's got. You know, guys that work for him here in their twenties who can't keep up with him. Like he just, um, he said, longevity does not run the family. He was never big on exercise. He says, I eat thin spaghetti so I don't get fat. <laughs> he has all his teeth. Is on no daily medication. He's never needed glasses. His hair styling fingers are still steady. Uh, I only go to the doctor because people tell me to, <laughs> but even he can't understand it. I tell him I have no aches, no pains, no nothing. Nothing hurts me. Wow. Um, he said it helps him stay busy after the death of his wife of 70 years, Man, Carmela, 14 wow. years ago. He visits her grave daily after work, or before work. Uh, he lives alone. He won't, let anyone, he won't even let people sweep up his own clippings. Said his son, Bob Mancinelli, 81. God, that's nuts. Junior? Wow. <laughs> um, his father even gives himself haircuts. Wow. He does his own hair. Wow. Um, anyway, it's just... I do too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I <laughs> he said he was born in 1911 near Naples, Italy, and immigrated with his family when he was eight, joining a relative in Newburgh, New York. He was one of eight children. I'm the only one left. Yeah, you're 107. So, uh, And he went to work at age 11. By age 12, he was cutting hair and dropping out of high school to cut hair full time. There you go. Uh, haircuts cost 25 cents when he started. Now it's $19. So Jeez. A little inflation on that. Anyway, I just thought no that great was a, clips, if you know what I mean. Cool. I just thought that was a really cool story, just a guy that's just... I mean, that's the thing. Like we watched our grandparents waste away. Like yeah. they stopped moving, yep. and they they yep. wasted away. Mm-hmm. This guy's never stopped moving, and he's healthy as can be. I mean, yeah, you couldn't be any healthier than this guy. And he doesn't. I mean, he he's old. He looks old, but right. he doesn't look yeah like you would think a hundred and seven right. year old would look. So yeah. anyway, I just thought that was cool. Uh, and then this one, um, technician accidentally sets off an F sixteen cannon, blows up another F sixteen. Whoops. <clears throat> There's the pick. Oh. 
Boy, oh, yeah. $500 million dollars down yeah. the drain. Uh-huh. Um, Whoops. A Belgian technician accidentally set off a cannon of a military plane during maintenance, which shot another plane. That plane blew up, damaging the initial plane in the process. So he damaged, blew up one plane, damaged another. <laughs> uh, it took place on October 11th. Uh, there were a bunch of planes that were being serviced, and a technician accidentally hit the metaphorical big red button and activated six-barreled Vulcan M16A-1 cannon. Yikes. So it's, um, it's not like the, the lighter outlet, like where the car has to have the key on. Like, it just, you push that button. It yeah, just sucks um, shit up. something must, yeah. I mean, I would think they would have that shit locked out, but like, I mean, even in the factory had like lockout, tag out shit, yeah. so the machine didn't like chop your hand off. But yeah. Apparently, they don't have that to not blow up F 16. So, um, and because the world's cruel, it says the blast from the exploding F 16 also impacted the plane that delivered the shots. Two technicians were injured. Uh, the full extent of the injuries isn't known. I'm surprised nobody was killed. Yeah, I mean, I haven't crazy. I haven't seen a follow up to this, but yeah, I just saw that story. I was like, oh, boy, you talk about. I've had some bad days at work. Yeah, I've never had yeah. shit blow yeah, up yeah, on yeah, me. Yeah. I've never yeah. blown up a Starbucks yeah. like yeah. yet. So it's probably it's probably only <laughs> it's, a matter of time. It's coming. So anyway, that's that's what I got. All right, uh, Little Rock. Let's talk about Little Rock. So a security guard at a Little Rock grocery store smacked a shoplifter with a piece of raw meat after <laughs> she pulled a knife on him Sunday. So, the, you uh, know what? I bet that was fucking cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just the bitch slap somebody Damn. with a piece of meat. Yep. So the officers were called. It is pretty fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes this story. Yeah, that'll about do it. I think, yeah, Lucas shut that one down. So, so the officers uh, showed up at Shoppers Value Foods, um, and uh, a security guard, uh, Anthony Smith, 42, he's a real hero, uh, said he confronted a woman suspect uh, who was, or she was suspect, suspected of filling her empty purse with about fifty dollars in raw meat. <laughs> 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 the woman punched I mean, him. Who, of, I mean, a, who hasn't? That's a lot of damn meat, though. Not yeah. really. Not anymore. Uh, well, that's true. That's it's about two porterhouse Yeah, steaks, that's probably so. true. She punched him in the face and ran outside. <laughs> he reportedly chased the woman uh, into the parking lot where he grabbed her purse and she pulled out a, a large pocket knife. He then hit the woman with a piece of meat that had been in her purse. <laughs> And the woman uh, dropped the knife and ran uh, east on Colonel Glen Road. See what you know. What, here's the thing. See, I'm a responsible meat owner. I don't. I, I keep my meat under lock and key. I don't just carry meat around with me. It's a gun control thing. Meat mm-hmm. control. I don't what the fuck? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it sounded okay in my yeah, head. A couple and more just, weeks. Yeah, it sounded good in my head, and it just didn't. It didn't come out. Can we, wow. can we just edit that out? No, nope, just edit nope, that out. Nope. You're the one that decided <laughs> had, to step in. Yeah, no, it had it had something in my head. It just didn't. I didn't work it out very well. So <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, no, no injuries were reported, uh, and also no arrests were made because they couldn't find her. So they didn't uh, find a woman with a bloody streak across the side of her nope. face. Uh, Good she was lord! Five foot ten, stuck in her hair. One hundred and sixty pounds. Wore a gray hoodie, black pants, and an auburn colored wig. So oh, okay. She wore a wig. Yeah. yeah. To steal meat. To steal meat. Hey, you know. Same. It's like a, it's like the worst episode of Alias ever. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's a the old Jennifer Garner <laughs> throwback. Thank you very hey, much. Hey, J. Abrams. Let me know. Um, 
this is a uh, story about a chronic manspreader. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> without a care in the world, an elderly man uh, has become public enemy number one in Sydney. Of course, uh, it's Australia. Yep, uh, for his bizarre training. If, not, if that's something's trying not to eat, like kill you or eat you, yeah. they're trying to manspread all over the place. So he's done commuters, um, and they basically have taken pictures what, of him. Balls hanging out? No, no, or? no. Um, he took up. Think about what it takes to stun somebody in Australia. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he took up. You call six, him a cunt. They don't blame. Six <laughs> seats. What? Was he Wait, like nine feet tall? It's <laughs> a guy from Ripley's, yep. believe it or not. What is he doing? Um, the splits? He's he. Uh, that's not a manspreader. That's just somebody laying down. Yeah. What? He. Uh, he's literally. He's got. His I feet, couldn't take up. He's six got his children seats. Up. Uh, he's sitting in the middle seat, and he's got his his belongings. I I would assume, uh, and he's got his shoes off, his feet on the seat in front of him. Um. And he's just. Well, how's that six seats though? I don't know. That's what they said. Is it took just because people spot. can't get in? I, I imagine he had his belongings. With oh, his, um, so, so it's not just, like um, six in a row. He's got like. Sure, three, 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 my God! I mean, three like in his row, and three in the row in front of him. Um, I see old entitled dickheads. Yeah, like every to make day matters in worse, coffee commuter. shops. So this doesn't surprise well, me. Well, he was at all. he was on his way to the barber shop to cut hair for the ninety fourth year in his life. <laughs> 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 uh, to make matters worse, uh, commuters, uh, you can see in the pictures where they have to stand in the aisle. Yeah, because they can't they can't sit down. Oh, I just sat on his shit. Yeah, yeah. I just I just moved it out of the way and sat down. Yeah, now fuck that guy. Yeah. So he just he's is, probably Liam or some chilling. shit like that. <laughs> As a real cunt. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I just, when we're talking about Australia, yeah, I have to have say to. it as much as I can. Yeah, so. Beck Ray. Plus her soul. <laughs> Are you calling her a cunt? No, God. Because no. I said cunt and you said Beck yeah, Ray. No, I, Beck Ray is from Australia. God, how do you she continually do this all no, the time? No, don't even. Don't even fucking you call me a bitch. bitch. No. <laughs> Mindy is a saint. God. The thing is, Beck Ray would like. Take that as a badge of honor. So yes, we love you. Probably, yeah. That's our that's our favorite yeah. first word. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Uh, an, another bad idea. Uh, they're making a Titanic two that's going to take the same oh, route. I heard about this. Wait, what? You'll yes. follow the same path as the original movie. shit. Hopefully, with a thicker hole. Well, good news with global warming. <laughs> yeah, they won't go anywhere near an iceberg. Yeah, I was going to say. Be, We're gonna take a southerly yeah. route this, this time around. Right, no, so they're taking the, the same. They have to be in the middle route. of the North Pole to hit an iceberg. Now so. that's a good point. <laughs> yep. So that's it. Wow. That's all I got. It's fun. Right. Wow. Titanic two. Titanic two. Electric two. Boogaloo. Yeah, it's back. Guess who's back? <laughs> back, back again. again. Titanic. Jack. That's Titanic. Like, who's talking to? Well, it's time for James Cameron to make another shitty movie. God. So I want to get a ticket on it just so I can just go around and scream at people to paint me like one of their French girls. <laughs> 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 oh gosh! Just walk around with my meat hanging out on the deck. Paint me like one of your French girls. Slap me like one of your it. French girls. Paint me like one of your French girls. All right. Let's. Uh, how can I get out of whatever we're talking about? Let's. I'm gonna play the music, then do the intro. How about that? Yeah. Jonathan Merritt is an award-winning writer on religion, culture, and politics. He uh, currently serves as a contributing writer for the Atlantic and contributing editor for the week 
Jonathan has published more than 3,500 articles in respected outlets such as the New York Times, USA Today, BuzzFeed, the Washington Post, uh, and Christianity Today. Uh, he is a respected voice. He regularly uh, contributes commentary to television, print, and news um, and radio outlets uh, and has been interviewed by ABC World News, NPR, CNN, PBS, MSNBC, Fox News, and CBS 60 Minutes. Uh, Jonathan is here to talk about his latest book, Learning to Speak God from Scratch. Check it out at jonathanmerritt.com. Without further ado, here is our interview with Jonathan Merritt. Jonathan, are you there? I am here. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the podcast, man. Uh, it is. It's. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's. Uh, we're. We've been trying to do this for a while. Um, connect and everything. And yesterday, you called me um, about the interview, and you totally got my telemarketer voice for for the for the voice that I answer the phone with. I'm like, hello. He's generally not that big you're of like, a dick. You're like, is this is is this Michael? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like this is Jonathan Mayer. Like, oh, hey! So. I'm surprised you. You know, normally when when I when that happens to me and people say, "Is this Jonathan?" I never say yes. I just say, "Who is this?" Yeah. So oh. I'm surprised you didn't just start questioning me. <laughs> Who do you think I am? So yeah, I, I was like, Georgia. What is going on with Georgia? So cool. Um, yeah. So we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about your book. We want to talk about you. Uh, who is so, so? First of all, I gotta I gotta say I do have two other guys with me. It's not just my, myself. Yeah. My yeah, name is Michael. We've got Brad. Yep. Um, and then we also have uh, Lucas Allen with us as well. Hey. So all right, we've got the whole we've got the whole crew. We've got the band together. Yes. yes. Yeah. The the posse is. <laughs> if you were to be in a band, Jonathan, <laughs> what style of music would you be playing? Polka, probably. Hey, why not? Nice. I'd be I'd be I'd be John Candy in uh, Home Alone. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Boy, that's a throwback. That is. Yeah. A, the, you a, know okay. the Kenosha Kickers. Yeah. Polka, 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 <laughs> polka. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so tell for our listeners who may not know who Jonathan Merritt is, who who are you? Who do you think you are? What gives you the well, right? You know, apparent, apparently I'm a, 90, a 90s uh, movie aficionado, so that's number one. That's the most important thing about me. In addition to that, uh, I'm a writer. I live in uh, New York City. I write about faith and politics and culture and all of the things that you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, but that's what I do. And uh, I write books. I write articles. I do a little bit of television news commentary uh, here and there. And, um, that's, that is me in an, in a nutshell. Yes. And you, do you, do you still record the podcast or is that just on hiatus or are you still doing that? Well, I started a podcast, uh, with this book called seekers and speakers. And that went on that, that finished, that concluded. I don't know that that one will come back. There's another one that I did called the faith angle with, uh, Kirsten powers from CNN. Yeah. And we are, uh, we're currently, uh, discussing, uh, that podcast and, uh, what season two will look like. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up. We're gonna make some changes, I think, and um, probably it will be a little more deeply spiritual, 
and um, it will probably launch sometime after first of the year, the second the second season. So we're excited about it. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be fun. That's awesome. Yeah, CNN wanted to pick ours up too, but we told them no. Yeah, we were like, no. Sorry. Yeah, you know, sorry, yeah. we're not we're not working for the man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So what uh, what makes you know some uh, you know religious Southern boy such as yourself? Uh, Just you know, call you, him a boy. Well, you know, what I mean, like I, I'm going back a few years. That was a, man, that was a, a real man. that was a real power move, right? Yeah, there. yeah. Wait a wait a. No, I meant going that. a few. Years we back. call him a zygote, so he's really like. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's really stepping young. you up a few notches. Yeah. No, I mean, well, you know, you grew up. You grew up in the South, uh, pretty conservative, very you know Southern Baptist. Um, what makes you know what would what made you want to go to a place like New York City to talk about faith where. You know, in a city that not really known for that <laughs> so mm-hmm, much. I mean, mm-hmm. what what was it? What what attracted you to New York? I mean, what was what went into that decision? You know, there were a couple of things. Um, one was uh, really feeling. I had felt this sort of stirring. I was living outside of Atlanta for a while, and I really felt like, look, I'm I'm somebody who's committed my life to kind of exploring the intersection of faith and culture, and here I am. You know living in suburbia where, you know, local restaurant for us was like Applebee's. <laughs> and, you know, it was not, there was not a, a, a lot of culture in the, in the sense of like high culture sure. um, in, in the suburbs and just feeling like place matters uh, when you're, when you're talking about these sorts of things, place forms you, place shapes you, place gives you access to certain kinds of conversations. And increasingly I felt responsible to my readers who were dependent on me to help them kind of make sense of this world, which in many ways was disorienting to a lot of them, particularly of those kind of living in heartland America. And so I saw New York as, as an opportunity to go to the leading edge of culture. I think when, when uh, the rest of America looks to New York, they're looking into their future in, in mm-hmm. some ways. And so I really felt like I, uh, like it was a good opportunity for me, but it also would serve my readers well. And, uh, and then there's whole, the whole kind of spiritual narrative behind that, which is sort of, um, this sense of calling and having had some conversations with some people and, and feeling really a, a, a spiritual draw, not just sort of this hmm. pragmatic reason to go there. And it was a culmination of those two things that, that made me on, I remember the day, it was on September the 13th, just say, that's it. I've got to get out of here or I'll never do it. And by November the 3rd, I rented out my house. I'd sold basically all of my possessions and I moved uh, to New York to a, an apartment I'd never seen, to a neighborhood I'd never heard of, to live with people that I'd never met. And and the rest is history. You know, it's an everyday story. <laughs> tale is mean, old. Time. Yeah, it is. I mean, really. Tale, tale is old. This time. That was a good one. Another, another good reference. From yeah. Childhood movie. Yes. Thank you, Angela Lansbury. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so I, I noticed you used the word stirring. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all grew up religious. That word immediately, immediately caught my attention. Um, mm-hmm. I know what you mean by that, and that's actually kind of the crux of your book. Mm-hmm. Um, the almost lamenting the loss of religious discussion language, um, mm-hmm. and so I let's let's just dive into that um, with you know with kind of the main topic of the book. Um, you know, our audience is mostly 
when we kind of have people all over the map, but mostly if I had to say the majority are sort of deconstructed, have left the faith or are in some sort of kind of, uh, rebellion's not the right word, but basically just away from the church and, and happy to be away from the church. So I can imagine them seeing a book like yours and saying, um, yeah, I don't really think religious language matters anymore. And I don't, so what, what would be your pitch to them? That religiously, you're saying people who say religious language doesn't yeah. matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think that what I try to write about in this book is not just religious language. You right. know, I, sure. you see the subtitle; it's why sacred words. Yes. and I think that I think that even people who've left the church, uh, if you look at the statistics, it certainly bears this out that most people still have a sense of the sacred in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. I even have uh, many friends who are atheists, who are humanists, yeah. who encounter uh, the sacredness of life to some extent, even without a concept of God. Yeah. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is not just the loss of, you know, the meaty theological words like atonement. Right, you know, I mean, right, if that yeah. word if that word disappeared today, I know a lot of people who would be like, I really don't care. It's <laughs> not they're going <laughs> right. to get up tomorrow. They're going to put their pants on. They're going to go to work. And that's not going to matter. But it's the it's also that we've seen the decline mm. of kind of basic moral language, you know, words like mercy and mm. courage and compassion and kindness. Those words are in decline. They have been in decline uh, in the Eastern, in, in the English speaking world for some time. And so even friends of mine who say, you know what, to heck with church that I'm not, I, I don't want that anymore. People who've left kind of institutional expressions of faith, even those still, th those people will still tell you that they're interested in conversations about things like compassion and courage and grace and mercy. And so I think all people, not just people who are connected to the institutional church, have a stake in the game. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very interesting. Um, so, you know, it, it, the timing of your book, obviously very interesting, given our current sort of political climate and how sacred language is being co-opted by a certain party who is doing untold damage to a number of people in this country. Uh, Republicans, you're, let's you're, just say you're, Republicans. Yeah, you're, yeah, okay, I thought you were referring to the Green Party. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure we understood. Yeah, absolutely. That it's the, yes. the, ghost of, the ghost of Ralph Nader. Yes, <laughs> indeed, indeed. If he's, if he's been brought up once in an interview, he's been brought up a hundred times. That's absolutely right. Ralph Nader, squirrely Ralph Nader. Okay, gotcha. You know, so it's been... It, I think, you know, what we've heard from kind of our little community around the podcast, um, you know, we had people that I think the day after the election swore off Christianity um, because of the co-opting of the sacred language that they felt like it had been robbed from them. Um, can you talk about sort of the danger of sacred language being co- you, you mentioned it in the book, but it'd be great if you could speak to it a little bit, the, the co-opting of by politicians of sacred language. Can you talk about why, how, why that's dangerous? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, first of all, let me say uh, it is dangerous and it, it, it does create a problem. It creates a problem, uh, philosophically. It also creates a problem statistically. And I'll talk about that, but I've always found it interesting mm -hmm. that people out there 
will hear someone use religious language in a way they don't like and then say, well, then I guess religion itself is is um, not worth my time. I've always found that odd. You know, it's like if Uncle Philip gets drunk at Thanksgiving and says something really dumb about the Yankees, you don't become a Mets fan. It's just so weird to me <laughs> so that, that we're, we're not able to say, okay, yeah, that guy's just crazy or that guy's just um, he's just rude or that guy just has a really destructive theology somehow um, it triggers something in us that makes us sort of stay away from the whole thing. I've always found that to be somewhat curious. Um, So that being said, uh, I do think that it it, it does show up in the statistics. One of the primary reasons people say that they don't have spiritual religious conversations is because they believe that religious language has become politicized. Hmm. It's one Hmm. of, by the way, statistically speaking, it's one of the reasons why most, not many young non-Christians say they don't want to be Christian is because they believe the faith has become too politicized. Yeah. Now, I think when they say that, what they mean is not that it's become too political because, you know, religion has always had political implications. Mm-hmm. I think what they're saying is that it's become too partisan, uh. that, that here is this thing, spirituality, religion, that is supposed to sort of be transcendent, to be above, and yet it has been co-opted, it's been brought below uh, a human system that most of us don't have a lot of respect for, that we've sort of seen the hypocrisy that is rampant in politics, we've seen the opportunism that is rampant in in partisan politics, we've seen the way that... um, that lies flourish in partisan politics. And so when religion, when faith, and when the language that represents religion or faith is co-opted by that, it almost has a desacralizing effect for a lot of us. Like we suddenly feel like, well, if this thing that doesn't strike us as being very holy or being very righteous is now using uh, religion, then religion by extension feels to have sort of, it's kind of lost its sacredness, its yeah. transcendence. And it, it makes sense to me that people who are political or not political, when when spiritual language, when sacred speech be, begins to feel like a means to a political end, that people then just decide to avoid it altogether. Hmm. I think I think that I, I'm totally right there with you in terms of I don't feel comfortable with Donald Trump using religious language. I don't, I don't like it. Um, but, but for me, I think, um, we have a friend, um, who just put a a film out called in God, we Trump and it's on Amazon. It's, it's definitely, it talks about the relationship of, um, Christians with Donald Trump specifically. And, and, you know, the fact that I don't remember the the stat, but something like 80% of white evangelicals supported Mm -hmm. Donald Trump in, in terms of, making him the president. Um, and for me, as much as I don't like Donald Trump, that's, I feel like that's also an indictment on that group of people, um, that, that they would get in bed with, uh, with, with somebody that, uh, despicable, you know, people are, people are, I've heard a lot of people express surprise at the way conservative Christians have some climbed in bed with Donald Trump. And yeah. I'm surprised that they're surprised. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, 
I wrote a I wrote a book called A Faith of Our Own, Following Jesus Beyond the Culture Wars. It came out, I believe, in 2012. And at the time, people were like, why are you writing this book? And I'm like, Does, is nobody else watching what's happening here? Yeah. The way that the way that the faith has become more political than it is theological. Yeah. Yeah. And and what we're seeing, I think, is a, a natural extension, uh, the the natural end of what was started in uh, particularly in the early 1970s in response to the Cultural Revolution yep. in America, when evangelicalism, by and large, joining together with conservative Mormonism, conservative Judaism, and conservative Roman Catholics, formed this coalition that became quite partisan and began endorsing candidates. And sh- th- those pastors started showing up in the Oval Office when only one party was in power mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, telling people how to vote. All of these things have been happening in our midst for the last 30 years. Now, when uh, Republicans could in some way claim the moral high ground, it, it sort of worked. You could almost create a facade, right. but it, it, you know, you, it was only a matter of time that one day it wouldn't be the, the Democrats who vote, who nominated a Bill Clinton. It would be the Republicans who would do it. And mm-hmm. at that point, the movement would be laid bare. Yep. The cards mm-hmm. would be on the table. They would have a choice that they had spent 30 or 40 years whipping their people up, saying that the only thing that mattered is Supreme Court justices. The only thing that mattered was certain kinds of legislation. The only thing that mattered was creating a culture of Christian primacy over and against other faiths or other people or uh, people, sexual minorities, etc. And it was only a matter of time when they would choose. And it was like the writing was on the wall. We all knew who they would choose, yep. all of us who were paying attention. Yep. I think what we're seeing now is is that most Christians were not actually paying attention. <laughs> no. hmm. Yep, yeah. I think you're exactly right. Uh, so what do you think about... Um, I, I, what's what's the solution to all this? I mean, because I see, you know, obviously the, the sacred language has been co-opted mainly, I would say, by the Republican Party. But I've, I've noticed a, a movement by kind of by the left to do similar things, to do the similar thing. Mm-hmm. I am a little conflicted about it. Um, being a more progressive person, I'm apt on the face value to go, yeah, I'm cool with that. But then I have to think, mm-hmm. oh, but I'm not cool when the, when the other side does it. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure what my question is other than just, yeah. have you well, noticed, you, I mean, have you noticed that? Yes. Um, yes. And how do you, you, I mean, how do you feel about that? When you look at when you look at this the, the history of this kind of behavior, mm-hmm. it is not a, a something that's been exclusively on the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when um, the, on the eve, I believe it was, of Bill Clinton put sort of putting forth his budget, a bunch of progressive ministers from the what is it they call the National Council of Churches? They all came to the Oval Office and prayed over him that he would be strong for the fight. Uh, it, when he finally confessed to what was happening uh, with Monica Lewinsky in the Oval Office during those years. Have sinned. Uh, You've had this sort of religious language that's been a part of the American political tradition for some time. The difference is, is before now, it was believable. 
So now, with you know, I mean, you you look at a person like Bill Clinton, even you know, maybe his life didn't didn't line up so well with uh, what we might see as sort of a New Testament ethic, and, and that's debatable. But whatever you would say about that. Um, but at least this was a guy who was raised in Arkansas. He was Southern Baptist, you know, Jimmy Carter, believable, both Bushes, quite believable. Mm -hmm. Like it's always been believable, but now you have someone who is sort of, you know, he's quoting to Corinthians. He's he's waving a Bible that we all know he hasn't read. He claims he goes to a church and then the church says, we don't know this guy. We don't, he hasn't been showing up here. He's not an active member here. And so you, you've got someone who's not believably religious. And so the, we're now able to see the naked emperor in a way that we haven't been able to see uh, the naked emperor in years past. So I, I'd say, first of all, it's not a it's not a thing that is exclusively um, focused on the right. Now the difference is, is that Christian conservative Christians have more numbers. Yep. They have more money, and they're better mobilized. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it's more pronounced than it is on the left. But I do think that what Donald Trump has done to some degree has energized the left flank uh, of Christianity. We, we reported at The Atlantic shortly after the election that there was a, a somewhat of a spike in, in some mainline Protestant corners of the country, in, in church attendance, that, that people sort of began to, 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 to flock to the left. And I do think you are seeing uh, a little bit more of a politically savvy Christian left but you are exactly right. I mean, what 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 the the risk in these kinds of conversations is always to become the thing that you hate. Yep. And yeah. I I think we're I think we're seeing that where you almost get a mirror image uh, of the right because people think that that's what they have to do to defeat the thing. They have to become like the thing. And I think that's what we're seeing in 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 many ways. Yeah, uh, among progressive Christians today. Absolutely, and, and I feel like when when we see that mirror image, when when you know, our the pendulum swings to the opposite side, it looks just as ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're trying to convince somebody to change their mind, um, you know, the, the extreme left and the extreme right, um, there, there's no middle ground. It's it, it's fundamentalist on both sides. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you and you can get you can get anger. From both sides. Yeah. That you, if you really break it down to what it is, beneath all the words and beneath all of the posturing, the, the, the same mechanisms, anger, yep. fear, yep. sensationalism, demonization, all of the tactics, all of the emotions, they're all the same. They're all they're all the exact same. Now you just what you do is you just pick your issues, right? So yeah. um, oh my gosh, uh, the end of America is happening because we've got a racist. Uh, in the Oval Office, or, oh my gosh, the end of America is happening because we've got uh, a pro-choice president. It's Mm -hmm. the same sort of Mm -hmm. breathlessness. Now, I I will say, I think what we're seeing right now is unprecedented in a way that we've never seen before. Uh, You know, every president uh, up until now was very much pro-norm. They they just sort of wanted sort of business as usual, and there were certain rules governing things, and one person was more to the left, one person more to the right, and right now the rules have been thrown out in a yep, way that's yeah. sort of destabilizing and disorienting for a lot of our citizens, I think. Yeah. But regardless, uh, that doesn't change the fact that what we're seeing on the left is in many ways quite similar to what we saw on the right 
three years ago, five years ago, seven mm. years ago. Yeah. Um, so outside of politics, we still see sacred language being used to condemn, control, guilt, and shame. And some would say we should throw it all out. I'm guessing because I read your book, you would not say that's the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, you know, people, people maybe think we have moved on from sacred language or that we need to. Uh, what, what do you say to that? Whether it's sort of a trigger, not just because people think it's conser- conservative politically, but also people think, you know, it kind of triggers them from the battle days. Yeah, I, I first of all, I, I always have a lot of, you know, empathy for people who for whom sacred words are triggering, particularly people. And statistically speaking, there's a good number of people who say this people who say, I don't speak God because in the past religious language was used mm-hmm. by my parent or my pastor or my friend to shame me or to scold me or to oppress me or to repress who I was. Mm -hmm. I'm very sympathetic to that. So I would never blame someone who said, I just, I just can't get there. I just can't get there. I think when I, when I approach the issue from a social standpoint, however, not on kind of an individual basis, um, I think that there's still a lot of life left in these words. Uh, You take one of the most triggering words out there, the word sin. Now, that's a triggering word. That is a word that is – it's basically a club. It's basically used to beat people over the head, to to judge others, to call out others. It's it's not like a personal reflection word as much as it is a bully term. And so for a lot of people, that word is too negative. And yet – It's such a useful word to some degree because every single person out there, uh, you know, I'm talking, I'm not in New York today. I'm I'm talking to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) You're fancy. You see, this is what happens. It's all, everybody thinks, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's all champagnes and beachfront Ritz Carlton's. And then one day you're on Inglorious Pastors in from a, I'm just kidding. You're sitting in a Hampton Inn in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you realize this is actually what the job's about. That's so great. Um, Oral Roberts didn't invite anyway, you to use their... No, no, he didn't. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go eat in his cafeteria tomorrow. Just sit there and see what happens. Um, I'll, I'll end up on a registry somewhere. Um, anyway. But uh, I don't even remember. I don't even remember what you were talking I was about saying. sin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the notion, the notion of sin is obviously it's very triggering to, to people and justifiably so. But if I were to walk out in Tulsa, or if I were to walk out in Brooklyn, and I were to just ask people on the street, when you look around and you see what is, do you think that what is and what ought are the exact same thing? Like, <laughs> is this the way it all ought to be? Yeah. Every single per- 10 out of 10 will tell you, yeah, no, actually, this is if I were to conceive of the absolute perfect world, it would not be exactly this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody realizes that there's a difference between is and ought. Well, then can we can we don't we need a word to describe that chasm to yeah. describe mm-hmm. that space? You have to call it something. If you don't call that, if you don't have a name for that chasm, you'll never narrow it. 
You'll never address it. You'll never call anybody uh, to be responsible for contributing to it. You have to have a word for it. And so whatever those words are, the those words have value, I think. Many of those words have value. They're describing things that are real, that are true, that we all kind of know deep down exist. The problem is, is when we misuse or we abuse those words, right. when we kind of change them, not from just describing something that is. They no longer become helpful. They now become harmful. And when that happens, they take on this kind of nasty connotation. That's when we have to speak God from scratch, when we have to get back to these words and say, we have to revive these words. We have to make these words helpful and beautiful and life-giving again because they've gotten too far afield. They've now become damaging or hateful. Uh, they become tools of self-righteousness. And that's really what I'm calling people to do. Yeah, and you know, the, the word sin is, it's interesting you bring that one up because that is, I mean, as far as a, a sacred word with baggage that may have more baggage than about any sacred word out there. Um, mm -hmm. how, so how do we, I agree with you. I, I think that's a word that probably shouldn't go away. I mean, I remember Rob Bell saying, um, you know, I think we need sort I mean, what do you call something like rape? I mean, right. we need strong language to like, talk about these things sin that's a right. sin it's you know what I mean? that's just a, right so i mean how do we even reclaim a word like that with that much baggage because the second you start saying it man like it seems like people just immediately retreat into their shell and go oh this is just another religious asshole you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah i don't think i don't think that they are reclaimed uh with a bullhorn i okay. yeah I think that they're done within relationship where we create safe spaces with people we love. I think that they're reclaimed uh, with people who want to have those conversations. They're not reclaimed by cornering somebody next to the water cooler and trying to coerce <laughs> them or convince them that to make a case for Christ when all they wanted to do was get a little bit of water and go back to their spreadsheet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this is this is the problem. The problem is is that it, it there's the problem is in the how. Not whether we should or not, but how should we do this? Most people, when you're like, ah, yeah, we should start speaking God again, they're thinking about doing like kamikaze visits to their neighbor at 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and that is – nobody wants that. Right. Yeah, nobody right. wants that. There are people out there who say to me, you know, you keep saying – you want to speak God, but I don't want to have those conversations with you. And I say, good, I don't want to have them with you either. I don't want to, I don't want to go – have a conversation with somebody that they don't want to have. But I think there are enough people out there who say, you know what, like, I'm interested in spirituality. I'm interested in these things. I'd like to, I'd like to start to kind of maybe dig into those, to have conversations about meaning and mm -hmm. purpose and the inner life, about what goodness looks like, about what it means to love my neighbor. And you can say to that person, I'd like to have those conversations too. What if we did that intentionally? Mm. And what if we got some other people who are like us to come together and we begin to explore these words, these words that we say, I'm not really comfortable with that. We can explore why it is. Uh, I don't really know what that word means. And we could explore what it might mean for us in our day. 
that kind of re-engagement with the vocabulary of faith, it's easier to have, it's it is it's it's disarming, and I think it can yield incredible fruit in a polarized world like this, where I think a lot of us are craving safe spaces like that to have exactly these types of conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think um, that's something I think we've tried to do with this, and kind of in our own <laughs> our own way. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is try to change people's perception of what God might be. Um, that if God exists, if Jesus is to be trusted, that God is not angry, that God is um, merciful, that God is love, that God is grace. Like if 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 Jesus really is that embodiment, then that's you know e- either Jesus is the embodiment of God or he's not. Um, and we have tried our best to sort of peel back the old ways of perceiving God. And you talk in the book about the four perceptions of God as authoritarian, critical, distant, or benevolent. Um, Can you talk about why does our perception of God matter? Yeah. Yeah. So what we, what we find is, and of course, most people know this is true. If you've spent much time trafficking in these worlds, uh, that the people who have uh, kind of this angry uppity jerk God they're kind of angry uppity jerks (laughs) and we've seen we've seen this bear out and actually there's a lot of data on this that i present in the book that your view of god if if you view the ultimate model of goodness righteousness being to be a certain way you will naturally become that way and so what you often have to do is is ask yourself if you really get down to it the kind of god you serve is that is that the kind of god the kind of person you would want to become i mean right. for example there are a lot of people who say you know that god god murdered god's son right. and that god was happy to do it right. that it actually right. gave god pleasure yeah. to murder god's son um that is that the kind of parent you want to be like if the cause is good enough you would do that yeah, i mean it's just right. it's it's a and and your god you can't come up with a better way like it's just very it's very odd but there are people who believe in this kind of punitive fickle authoritarian figure and i guess they feel safe believing in that God because they think, well, then if I can just stay on that God's good side, (laughs) then, then it's all okay. I I don't know. I don't maybe get the psychology totally, but what we do know is, is you should beware because if you believe in that kind of God, you will become like that God. And we, we've obviously seen that borne out time and time again. I think one of the most uh, incredible examples of that, of course, I talk about this person in the book, is Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy who who would preach these thunderous messages. Yeah. I mean, there was one, now it's been all stripped off the internet. I remember one where he thank said, God for that. God, God, yes, thank, yes, thank God, thank God for that. Um, he said, God hates you. Yep. God hates you. And I just remember him over and over and over that God actually, God doesn't just hate the sin. God hates the sinner. That's sort of what he said. Yeah. And uh, and then we we find out that here's a guy who's unhinged, who's posting these insane messages under a pseudonym online, yep. who's verbally abusive to uh, his staff, who's he's just a wreck. The guy's a total mess. And again, 
people were surprised and I was surprised yeah. they were surprised. <laughs> yep, yep. It's like, well, I could have told you, I could have told you that was true yeah. uh, or likely true. And so it matters when, you know, and it's that old A.W. Tozier quote that, you know, well, when we say the word God, what comes to mind is one of the most important things about us. It actually is true. Yep. So you talk a little bit about confession uh, in the social media age in the book. Uh, you caution against oversharing. Um, confession is, is something that, you know, we've growing up kind of viewed as a necessary thing. It was like spiritual vomit, you know, it sucks while you're doing what you feel a ton, a lot better afterwards. Um, so what would you say uh, um, we need to do in order to, to not overshare online? And I mean, this is confession is a spiritual language, but it's something that, that we do online all the time. Um, are there any guidelines you'd recommend? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the most important thing is to always have, you, you, I think everybody needs like a personal board of directors. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. nothing important happens unless the board of directors gets a look at it. <laughs> and I, I have a group of people in my life that if, if I were going to write something really tricky, they would see it first. They would have a chance to weigh in on it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I read this book, I had uh, my writing mentor, Margaret Feinberg. She gave it a full read. I had one of my editors at The Atlantic uh, take a look at it that I really trust. I had a guy named David Dark read over mm -hmm. it. I had my friend Annie Downs read through it and each person providing feedback saying, I don't think you want to say that that way. Or, hey, as a woman, let me tell you why I don't like this phrase. And in it, it was helpful to kind of figure that out because in the same way that writing online is somewhat permanent, you write a book, it's forever. And so you, you, I think you want to get, you want to do these things in community. And I think that's the big thing that happens. the big shift that's happened in the digital age is that when you go to post something online, most of us are doing it in a vacuum. Yep. We're, we're yep. doing it, you know, sitting at home, like, you know, with Cheeto dust on our mouth, <laughs> you know, and, and like, uh, in like a really exposed emotional state saying things and you hit publish and you walk away and that, that, that impacts people. That yeah. thing that you did thoughtlessly yep. before you took your morning shower that you didn't think was going to be a big deal hit somebody in a moment and it impacted them. It shaped them. It, 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 it in some way informed the way that they live their life or the way they think about themselves or the way they think about the world. And I think that, that at the, when, when we think about how powerful words are and when we think about how powerful the Internet is in amplifying those words – you know, you can hit enter. You can you can get up in the morning and post something at 10 a.m. in Sheboygan and somebody in like Tokyo can read it on their lunch break, yep. you know, Jeez, hours yeah. later. That's nuts. That's crazy. It is. You know, you've got that. That is an incredible power. And most of us are not thinking we, we are. It's it's, it's we, we put the same thought into it that we would put into 25 years ago, 30 years ago, handwriting a note and passing it across the table to a classmate. And I just think that we have to uh, get a community of voices, wise voices, people who are for us, 
people who are who care about us, but people who have permission to speak honestly to us. And we should have those people speaking into our lives before we speak into others' lives. You talk a little bit about disappointment. You say that God offers disappointment with God specifically. You say God offers presence, not a parachute. Um, If disappointment with God um, or with life in general um, is is so often in Scripture, um, why don't we hear about it more from in the pulpits? yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of this is shaped by there was a book that was written in the late 1800s, and I, I need to write about this at some point. I think it was called In His Steps or something. Uh, oh, but yeah. it was this, yep. you know, what would Jesus do? Book. Yeah. So it so it sort of set off this movement that um, that sort of lingers today, I think, in Western Christianity, which is this notion that if you decide to follow Jesus. The result of that is your marriage will be better, your life will be happier, you will be healthier and more at peace. And so, you know, Jesus is like the, is like, you know, he's like Tony Robbins on steroids. Like he's just this great, like, like a self-help coach. And you find it in very soft forms today in, in most evangelical places. You also find it, I think, in some very, um, bold forms in charismatic circles and the prosperity gospel movement, but it's fairly ubiquitous. And I think that it thrives particularly in a world where people are becoming less devout because, you know, um, and, and I think Jesus learned this, uh, if you just sit around and say hard things to people, it's a really tough way to build a mega church. (laughs) And, you know, it's like eat, eat my flesh and drink my blood and the crowds walk away sad. Yep. Um, that's, you know, but then in, in a mega church, if you promise people, Hey, if you come for the next eight weeks, you have the best marriage ever. Yeah. Or if you <laughs> tithe to God, you're going to get the surprise envelope in the mail and make double your money. Those types of stories rise to the top. Those types of narratives rise to the top. Those are not often disappointment narratives. Um, they're not, they're, they're not narratives about how, if you follow Jesus, um, you're, you're going to have God, but you're going to have all the same hard stuff you would have had anyway, but you'll still, but you'll have God's presence. Um, that is not what people want to hear. And so we don't tell people what they don't want to hear. We tell people what they want to hear. And that means that every year you're going to have a giving sermon about how you're going to be prosperous. If you give money to the church every year, you're going to have a marriage and family sermon series, Every year, I mean, and I worked in megachurch, right? Every year we had our staples. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of our staples were like, this year we're going to have like a 17-week series on depression, disappointment, and mental health disorders. <laughs> like, you know, like we didn't do that. That wasn't like a, wasn't going to get a crowd and it wasn't going to be very popular. And so I think that institutional survival has chased a lot of those topics out of the church. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think that was was it Charles Sheldon? I think. Yeah, that sounds that rings yeah. a bell in his stuff. That wrote that wrote that book. Something to that effect. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna go home and burn it now. <laughs> and then Big Tent Revival wrote the wrote the song. What would Jesus do? <laughs> the bracelets. Um, so um, this is this is a little bit off topic. Um, so how I first heard about you was from uh, in 2010. You wrote a book called Green Like God. Excellent okay. book. Um, 
a, f- a few weeks ago, there was there was a major climate report that came out that described a strong risk of cri- uh, of of climate crisis, basically as early as twenty forty. Mm-hmm. Um, Christians are notoriously uh, terrible about climate change. They they mm-hmm. whether or not they care or whether or not they even believe in climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of a lot of our audience, I think, grew up in that uh, denial. I think. Um, mm-hmm. so this may seem like a really dumb question, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 it's one that a lot of people that are deconstructing, uh, need to, to ask, could you explain why we should care about climate change? Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that is a, that is a fascinating question. It's a, not a hard one to answer. It's like, you got a book about it. About, Everyone buy the book. Why should we care about, care about poverty? Yes. Uh, cause people are dying. Um, I, I went, you know, I, I, climate change, I think people see it as, first of all, it's real, it's happening, it's human caused. Those things are pretty, pretty well, uh, undisputable. Yep. Um, you're not going to go, you're not going to go to like educated countries except for America and find people like debating that. Right. It's just not, it doesn't, <laughs> yep. it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. You can Google people who say that smoking doesn't cause cancer. Go do it. You can do it. There are doctors. You can find doctors and you can Google them and you can say smoking doesn't cause cancer. But like no serious people actually believe that. <laughs> Those doctors that, are all in America too. Yes. <laughs> right. They're, yeah. We're good for, at this. Paid for by Philip Morris. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're all, they're all in Texas and they go to Robert Jeffers church. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we, we, there, so there are, th- there are reasons that we debate these things and other countries don't debate these things. There are historical reasons, uh, in particular, there are theological reasons, which is not necessarily your question, but why should we care? Why should we care is because, um, climate change threatens people who can't afford to do anything about it. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's very easy for for us not to care. It's very even the even even being able to ask the question, why should we care? Um, hence at the reason that we should care because we're people of privilege. Yeah. I, I was able to go to Malawi and stand in sand. And talk to old men who said, yeah, no, actually, this used to be a river and there were banana trees that hung over this river and we caught fish and we haven't had a river here for decades. I was able to talk to farmers of multiple generations who say, "Uh, I have half the growing season I had when I was a kid or there are whole crops that we simply cannot farm anymore. These are subsistence farmers. Mm -hmm. And if you get half the growing season, that is half of your income, which is already well below the poverty line. So when you go to other places and you see the effects of these things, yeah, it's, it's really easy for, for rich white Americans who, what does that mean? It means like what, that you're going to get like a a different summer than you once got. (laughs) You have to eat indoors instead of on the patio at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't really affect you. I think that what theologians have called this sort of preferential option for the poor, Mm -hmm. it, we have to begin seeing issues through the eyes of the people who are affected by those issues. And I think that that one of the weirdest things 
the weirdest things in American evangelicalism is the willingness to speak the phrase, not my problem. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you read the New Testament the way that I read it, it actually is your problem. Who is my neighbor? It's someone who's in need. In other words, you're obligated in the same way that you would be obligated to the person who lives next door to you. If their children were at risk of death and you just sat there and said, not my problem, we would think you're all the the most callous jerk that's ever lived. (laughs) And yet you can watch it on TV and you can see it and it can be again somebody else's child and you can go, yeah, you know, not my problem. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's something that we have to begin addressing because we actually in the United States, one, we have the means to address it, but two, it actually is our problem because we're creating it. I mean, what, what, what happens here, for example, in the United States, uh, we, we have, we, 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 we contribute 5% of trees to produce paper global paper, but we, we consume about 90% of the world's paper products in the U S. So when you start to look at that, you're like, well, wait, where is this coming from? Well, we're stripping down the forests all around the world and we're, we're, we're destroying other people's homes, homelands, nations, so that we can consume at disproportionate levels. So and this is true of, of, of a lot of different issues that we are creating the problems, but then we're failing to help solve those problems. Mm. And uh, it's 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 a, I think it's not just an environmental crisis. It's absolutely uh, a moral crisis. And I think generations from now, people will look at our generation the way that we look at. Uh, people who turned a blind eye to the civil rights movement and think these people said they followed Jesus and they did nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going to have a really hard time understanding how we we were people of faith the way we claim we are. Hmm. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I, like, I, I honestly, I've been thinking about asking you to be on the podcast to talk about that book. I know it's like so many years old and I like when we uh start talking about having you on here I was like I got to ask him at least one 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 question related to that so um so 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 the book that you've got out now is called Learning to Speak God from Scratch um the the it's on your website jonathanmerritt.com Mhm that's yeah, all right, right. There. I mean, cool. I mean, you can go yes amazon um, yep. it's on your Zanga site. It's great. <laughs> yes. It's Zanga. You yes. know, it's so funny because people will always say there's this line in publishing where they'll say, you, you know, you can buy it wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> and it's always like, where are the crappy books yeah. sold? Well, <laughs> well, I did say the creation <laughs> museum is where they're sold. <laughs> yes. Uh, Do you have time for a lightning round? Sure. Let's do it. All right. What is your beverage? I'm in, well, listen, you, you're asking me, do I have time? I'm in Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nightlife is great there. I've, I got, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> uh, what is your beverage of choice? Oh, God. Uh, you know, it depends if it's a if it's daytime. I am sparkling water with lemon all day, 
all if it's day, daytime, every day. I thought for sure you're going to go, if it's daytime, it's vodka. Straight vodka. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. I just put a, I just put like a, like a bottle nipple on top. Carry it around. Um, it's, and it's going to be like Mr. Boston's or, you know, whatever people drink in college. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm sparkling water all day because, because uh, that's when I write. And then at night, I usually am, I'm usually like a red wine guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I really am hitting it hard, I might have like an old fashioned, but mostly nice. I, I like, I do like bourbon. Um, nice. But yeah, I like, I like red wine. Love it. Do you, well, this is a, I always hate to ask this question to an author, but I'm going to cause I'm a jerk. Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite book? Let's, let's My... let, me, let me change it. Can I do what's your favorite novel? Huh. Well, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a tough question. I don't read uh, a lot of fiction. So I, I will, I will occasionally pick up a book and, uh, I'll read, you know, like I'm reading a book called less right now, which won the Pulitzer Prize. It's a, it's a, it's a novel, but in general, I don't like if I pick up a novel, this is going to be embarrassing. Like it's like the hunger Games series. It's something that's a total, total like splurge because I'm always reading like theology and politics and culture and anthropology Mm -hmm. and so for me, if I'm going to go to like, I don't, I don't want anybody to die. I don't want any ponies to get shot. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if you're a social worker, you don't go home and watch old yeller. Yeah. <laughs> so, so did you, you have, know? did you have a, a nonfiction book in mind? Well, I read anything, anything by Barbara Brown Taylor okay. and yeah. I read her in perpetuity so I'm always at all times reading a, a Barbara Brown Taylor book. I read, I have all of her sermons too, like all of her collections of sermons. So I read those. And uh, right now I'm actually sitting on my bed in this hotel is a copy of her forthcoming book, which is called Holy Envy, Finding God in the Faith of Others. And oh, wow. so I read, uh, I read her. She's like my literary spirit animal. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. uh, what was the last album you listened to start to finish? Start to finish, probably like Khalid. I really like Khalid. I think that was okay. yesterday. So nice. I listen to. Um, I either I either do like, it's either like kind of electronic pop or it's like hip hop. Okay. Typically, um, that's kind of. I try I try to have things that are somewhat upbeat. Like, you know, if it's too like folky, it makes me. It's like a rainstorm. It's like. It makes me depressed, so I have to have <laughs> my mood. My mood changes with uh, with the music I'm listening to, so I have to be kind of careful there. Yeah, I agree. The Lumineers can suck it. <laughs> right, <laughs> poor Lumineers. <laughs> right. Um, what what's what's your favorite movie that you've seen in the last year? Favorite movie that I have seen in the last year. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back now to see what are what are all. I, I feel like these days I'm on airplanes all the time, and so it's it's probably going to be anything that's like under two hours, or it's a superhero <laughs> movie. Um, I I will say I I thought um, A Star Is Born was oh. you know really heartbreaking and gut wrenching and beautiful and probably will will win uh, some kind of a Academy Award. I thought I thought that was uh, 
really a a gorgeous film. Yeah, I need there's to also, see that. There's also a movie I saw, and I, and I rented it. Um, you know, it's not an upbeat, fun movie, but there's a movie called, I think it's called The Lobster. <laughs> and um, it's one of the most fascinating films about singleness and, and uh, kind of the way that culture treats a singleness. Uh, it's got a column feral and he goes out to this retreat and he has so many hours to find a mate or he's turned into an animal of his choice and he chooses a lobster. <laughs> um, and so you're seeing the way, and it's kind of that same, the way that we, we in culture feel pressure to like find a mate or do something in life because God forbid something horrible will happen to us and the things that we do to avoid that, that thing. So it's kind of a dark comedy, but it's like an incredible commentary on culture. Hmm. Texting or talking? Texting, hundred percent. Get out, get out of my face. Yeah, we've, we've never had we've never had anyone answer talking. I don't think. Uh, no, no. I mean, I'm going to get off this. I'm going to get off this uh, phone conversation with you, and I'm going to have to take a nap. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, what is your favorite? Or do you have a favorite curse word? Gosh, do I have a favorite curse word? You I don't, don't have to know. say it. If you, we're an explicit podcast, so you can say it if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine too. I, I mean, I, I God forbid, my dad or my mom listen. To this. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm guessing they won't not make it this far. They won't make it to the interview, so <laughs> you'll have to give them you know, timestamps. I will tell you. I'll tell you. This is funny. I'll tell you about a friend of mine. I don't know if you guys know who Kristen Howerton is. Yeah, but yeah. um, but she she had messaged me. We're really good friends. She had messaged me something. I'm very careful. I, obviously, I can't curse in the in in my writing, and then I can't. I, I don't curse online because I have a lot of really conservative evangelical people who read me. So I just kind of stay away from it. Sure. I think like I called somebody a prick one time uh, <laughs> and, and they still remember it. They actually have a podcast and they declined a request for me to be on their podcast. And they're like, he called me a prick. Well, uh, but you can call us a prick anytime, buddy. <laughs> she wrote, she wrote me a direct message and she had sent me a tweet that she had sent about something horrible. And I responded to her and said, what the F? And then I went in to see a movie and I came out and I looked at my phone to see if she had responded and I didn't see the message and I realized I tweeted it. Oh! <laughs> yeah. So I deleted it. I deleted it. And, but people were like, what is this referring to? And uh, it was, it was just all this mass confusion about why would I, why would I send that? So I'm, I'm That's great. super, super yes. careful. Uh, about not using it's words that would affect. Yeah, <laughs> just say it's Galdern. Um, yeah. Yep. Invisibility yep. or super strength? <sighs> Invisibility, probably. Uh, I'm. You know, here's the thing: when you do what I do, you you get to look behind the curtain and see the wizard. Yeah. So all of the things that you that like. All the scandals that break, I, I know about those things six months in advance, right. typically. You know, yeah. like journalists, we all talk, we all know. Uh, there, there are stories, the biggest scandals, there, there are stories that I've known about for three years, and I'm just waiting for the thing to break because somebody's got to convince somebody to go on the record. Hmm. And when you see that, you, you, there's this skepticism. What do people say about me? What do people know that they're not telling me? Mm -hmm. And so there's always that desire 
because you, you, you now you're always distrusting of everything. You always want to be the fly on the wall, the person in the room. And so I would be, I would be killing it at my job. If I, had this. I mean, if I had super strength, like what would that be? Like, why well, would that wouldn't, that wouldn't enhance my life at all. I mean, I would probably, I probably would beat the crap out of my brothers just for the heck of it. But outside of that, outside of that, it wouldn't serve me, but invisibility, you'd never talk crap about me again. <laughs> That's great. And you'd hear it if we did. That's right. Um, what is your, your favorite TV show of all time? Probably friends. Okay. Um, I remember, you know, and it's the mark. It's why that show, it had this name that seems so innocuous. And yet it was so representative of what that show really did. I remember when I was in college and the last episode aired and I went up, I went upstairs and I shut my door and I cried my eyes out. And it was like, I actually had to say goodbye to my friends. And I really, I felt like I had a connection. I remember there were, there were things, there were episodes that hit me at certain stages of my life um, that were so powerful. And also there was this narrative of these people who lived in a faraway place that were open and progressive and New yeah. York somewhere I've always wanted to live. And it was all, I think it also gave me this kind of hope that one day I could grow up and move out and live a life that I wanted to live just like these people lived. Yeah. And so I felt, I really felt like they were, they were my friends and it was a, it was a funny show, but in, in many ways it was such a powerful show because it connected with people at their relational cores in a way that I think looking back, maybe even surprised the people who created it. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The longevity that show has had, especially in syndication and then on Netflix. Um, I, I saw somewhere recently that they're actually making, so, so they made a million dollars an episode the last season that they did it. Um, I saw somewhere that they're making um, more than they did that last season every year annually. Each one of them. Uh -huh. Just in royalties from that. Um, so that's why, uh -huh. so that was the argument of why would they, why would they come back? Cause the, the question was, will they ever, you know, come back for an extra episode or, you know, a special or, you know, whatever, like all these, you know, Will and Grace, Murphy Brown is, is doing now. Um, Will they will they ever come back? And it's like, why would they? Yeah, they can only say, screw it up. They can do nothing and yep. make crap yeah. loads of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. So if you're walking into Central Perk, um, <laughs> ha, ha, what do you order? Okay, where this show is going down real fast. Real quick. Uh, no, I would say I am a I am I am a, and and this has been a recent thing. I used to be like, give me the latte with whatever like special thing is in it that is 99% like sugar water. Yes. <laughs> but now I am just a straight up, I want a really great cup of coffee, probably yeah. a pour over. And I don't, I, I may put just a hint, like just a touch of almond milk in it. Uh, but that's it. I just, I just like the coffee. Yeah. So that's probably, probably what I would get. All right. Last question. Do you believe in the multiverse? <laughs> Do I believe in the multiverse? You know what? Um, I, I, I'm going to, I'll skirt around this. <laughs> say, 
Um, I do, I do have a roommate, a, somewhat of a related topic of like crazy theories, um, who's really, and Freddie, if you're listening, he's going to love that I'm bringing this up because he's obsessed with it. Hi, Freddie. But this notion of, of like simulation theory, uh-huh. you know, oh, yeah. Elon Musk and things yeah. that basically we're going to, we are going to be able to create virtual reality, true, truly simulated reality. And these brilliant people, Elon Musk, Sam Harris, they they have said once we create that, there will be no way of knowing whether truly whether the thing that you're experiencing now is actually a simulation or not. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. at that point, once it has been created, there's no way of knowing is whether whether what you're experiencing, whether everyone you talk to, everyone you love is just a program is really just coded in or whether this actually is life. And that that those conversations on consciousness are, to me, mind boggling. So when can we get Freddie on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) He let me tell you, he would he would come. He would come and he would blow your mind. He would blow your mind. All right. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. Um, everyone, go buy the book, uh, JonathanMayer.com, Amazon.com, all the all the websites. Yep. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Now that we in your sea, you can tell us what you think. The five stars get red. It's it's much better that you feel my side versus me having to look you straight on. That's fair. It's much I might better. try next week. We'll you're, see. In, you're in my periphery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm much better prefer Matt in my periphery. Most people do. If we're gonna, <laughs> Don't we all? We're be honest. Be, you can't beat this view right now. It's like, sh- like staring into the sun. Can I retry my meat joke? I have another no. one. No. no. Can Come I? on. No. Please? No. God. I was going to say my meat's a dangerous weapon, too. That's no. Space Force, fuck yeah. <laughs> Saving the world from the motherfucking alien. <laughs> all right. Um, do, you have, do you have the five-star reviews up? I can get them real quick. Okay. There are a couple. Are there? Really? I know there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are two. Well, We've so, got a whole, like so a whole, did. we got a whole slew of like stars, but only a couple of reviews no, that I think I know of. So, give me a minute. Everyone, stop using curse words in your description. Yeah. So you, the words. So can they'll actually yeah. fucking post them. We're up to sixteen. Because apparently, stars. in Apple's world, everyone is a eight-year-old that shouldn't hear cuss words. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, yeah. we are. We are sixteen one stars. Yeah, we got another one of those. I don't mm. know. Screw you, guy. We're almost up to three hundred stars, which is. Kind of impressive. Are we like, is this like Starbucks no. Star Dash? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we get a free drink. Yes. <laughs> Come on, get three more reviews and we have a free you drink. Three hundred dollars. Here's a free cup of coffee. <laughs> um, I laughed. I cried. I learned about life by J T. Forrest. Oh, Forrester. Yeah, Jason no, Forrester. No, says J T. Forrest. But it's Jason Forrester. This is not what Jason that says. The I know, but I'm just telling you that's who it is. His middle name's Thomas. Michael. I know. I'm fucking with you. Hi, Jason. Thanks for playing along. The, pastor, uh, the pastors have a unique blend of history, perspective, and irreverence that makes them a unique voice in the genre. These guys are the real deal, and they speak their truth with a ton of heart. I listen to these guys more than any other show. Keep it up. Thanks, Jason. He's Does got that, a podcast out now. That's mm-hmm. why he had to do this review. Thanks, yeah, Forrest. He wanted us to give him a review on his podcast. <laughs> I, I think his, his, 
his all-knowing <laughs> life was like you can't tell people to review your podcast if until you, you until you bulk up your podcast review. Yeah, session. and when he said he listened to this more than anything else, I think that means he's listened to one episode. I think that means he's never listened to any other podcast. He doesn't listen to podcasts, from what I understand. Yes. So. So, but he has he a podcast. To hey, you know what? Music. I'll take the compliment. All right. Hey, his podcast is but, because he gave a review. I'll give a plug for his podcast, Conversation X. Yeah, Check it out. I like it. I like it. And uh, X. sexy man. Bang. Bang. The future of rock and roll. Definitely not, my, definitely not my underwear. Uh, you guys talk Kmart right over sucks. me coming out. You over just came, my, what did you come out? I you, came out. Saying, out of the closet? Yeah, I think Jason Forrester's sexy. And, oh, he's a good looking dude. He is a handsome you know, individual. I was going to mm-hmm. switch the other IRL. way. <laughs> I always yeah. thought you'd go my direction, but whatever, man. You're closer. Well, I've only known you since college, but uh, that's fine. Um, high school. <laughs> high school. Have I known Well, sort of. We knew of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I knew more about you, baby. <laughs> yeah, you Your did. reputation precedes you. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't nearly the dick I am now. Um, well. No, I wasn't in high school. I was. He like had to be nice. I was I was evangelical in high Church school. I'm just so. trying to get friends here. Yeah. A plastic smile and a cross cap. What else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I had my Jesus freak hat. Whatever. Um, my senior picture has a Bible in it. I'm just saying. All right. Okay. Uh, it's called Well Worth the Time by Gadget Life. Uh, this podcast is a gateway drug to a whole new world of religious thought. Although it is generally irreverent and at times downright silly, the meat <laughs> the meat of each episode <laughs> is well worth listening. It's all coming back. Is it's listening, all tying in together. Is well worth listening to Michael and Brad's... Wait. Oh, spaz out on their soundboards to Matt's eternal dim- dismay. Here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Matt definitely uses the he soundboard more does. than any yeah, of us. That's 100% true. <laughs> on the way to frank discussions of searching for truth in the, in the search for truth, capital T. If you're seeking to meet with God in a fresh new way, <laughs> go to somewhere else. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, trying to reprogram from years of fundamentalism, fundamentalist pharisaism. Are down are done with religion entirely, but still want a compass, or just want to listen to Richard War sound clips at an annoying frequency. Jerk it off! Yeah. I'm very excited uh, right now. This podcast and the community behind it are meant for you. Thanks, person who did that. Gadget life. Thanks, gadget I life. Choose the gadget life. The gadget, gadget life chose me. Right. And thanks for saying meat. All right. Yeah, you really brought it all together. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Brad. What do we got? What? Twitter? Where are we? Twatter? <laughs> Top eight. Who? <laughs> Brad wants to go home. I do. Yeah. Really bad. Uh, <laughs> you can tell I've got to drive, I don't know, night. 450 miles tomorrow. So yeah. if we could wrap this up, that'd be quick. It'd be great. Uh, at Pastors Podcast. Oh, this is a G, uh, Fitzy at JFitz432. Uh, I think I missed the <laughs> prophecy of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Was that in Revelation? Because it definitely seems like an end times prophecy. Hashtag Olga Jobs. Olga. <laughs> By the way, kudos. <laughs> yeah. Kudos on the hashtag yeah, last week. I'm you. just going to say that was Number awesome. seven, Dan Burgess at DP Burgers and Fries. Thanks, Thor. <laughs> It's great. It's great when you get everything you want in the first 30 seconds of a Pastors Podcast episode. Brandon Andrus, hashtag made my week. Uh, number six, David, David Sluss at Davey uh-huh, Explorer. Uh-huh. Take away from Pastors Podcast, episode 140 Foofy. 
Live your life so that the Westboro Baptist Church pickets your funeral. As for the rest of the <laughs> podcast, once it is hashtag drain cleaned and sanitized, there won't be much left. <laughs> hashtag Olga Jobs. D- Dave has a pretty strong Twitter game. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Number five, Jerry Stallings at Jerry Stallings. Hey Jerry. Jer Bear. That's what I call him. Old Jer Bear. At Passion's hey, Podcast. How you doing, hon? I can't believe <laughs> What was that? I don't know. Don't ask. Just Hey, how you doing, hon? How Does you he doing? sound like a mom from like the upper <laughs> Sheboygan. At Pastor's from Podcast. Sheboygan? Really? I can't believe you missed Brandon Anders when he said Steve got stoned. I was dying. I kept singing a blend of Saddle Up and Everybody Must Get Stoned. But I love Philip Gully. His piece permeates everything <laughs> he says. Great interview. Hashtag Olga Jobs. Number four, Paul Fodder didn't touch her at Paul Fodder. Never heard of her. At Trunks, Pastor's Podcast. Trunkies. At Pastor's Podcast, yeah. episode 37. Holy shit. In trying to imitate a Canadian accent, at Polly named Brad imitates a Maine accent on accident. Is there a fucking difference? Maine? There can't be it's a difference. Maine has an accent? Maine is South Canada. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. Uh, it's, I lost south, it's it. south Newfoundland. I didn't I know there were people there to have an accent. Yeah, I didn't know Maine it's like was a, a tree a real falls thing. in Maine. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost it. Literally, Just reminded, lobsters literally reminded me of home. If anything happens in Maine, who gives a shit? Hashtag, hey there, bub. Hey there, bub. Hey there, bub. Is there anything like, has anybody heard anything that has ever happened in Maine? Lobsters uh, and murder. I wait, feel like murder is thing there. Wasn't yeah. Crime Town? Other than Stephen King yeah. novels. I do like, really want to go to Maine. It's I mean, I, that's fine. Yeah, I'm just like, like you never hear anything about Maine. Here. I've heard Portland is lovely. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Portland of the East. There's a Portland, Maine. God, how do you not know that, Michael? <laughs> Because he's so good at geography. Fucking, <laughs> fucking yeah. senior GPS This is the first time here. in the podcast he hasn't used maps to God. get to Matt's house. <laughs> after three years. Did I? I didn't use map. That's that's true. I did not use map this time. I usually do, actually. Fun fact. Use my GPS. I just have it on all the time. Why not? But you don't have to plug things into it, Michael's. Like, why yeah, would you? I just leave it on so I can see, like, how long it's going to take me to get places and... Okay, that's fair. I do that on the way home sometimes if okay. I can see if there's wrecks or something like that. Yeah. I'll do that. All right. Can we finish yeah. this, please? <laughs> number two. No, sorry. Number three, Zach Crater. <laughs> At Bastard's Pot. You play me off. Fine. Just can we fucking be done? <laughs> number three, Zach Crater. At Zach Crater. At Pastor's Podcast. This week's Foofy was delightful. However, I feel you guys just glossed over the fact that Brandon Anders beatboxed for about a second and a half at the three-minute mark, and I almost lost my coffee. <laughs> Hashtag being woke never sounded so white. Hashtag beatbox Brandon. Hashtag Olga Job. Is Do there people anybody- forget this? Yeah. Yeah. Bojangles here. What's right? up? Is there anybody whiter than Brandon? Well, we're all pretty paced. I know, but yeah, I mean, is there true. anybody whiter than Brandon? I mean, I'm not going to answer that. So, number two, Romanian Dan not. at Romanian Dreamboat. Uh, at Pastor's Podcast, or as he's known in my phone, European Douchebag. <laughs> he's literally, when he texts me or calls me, it is European Douchebag. Uh, at Pastor's Podcast, I don't know how to, how the hell you guys kept it together when the guest said you need to, quote, expose yourself to as many people as possible. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. Hashtag Olga Jobs. Hashtag leave a goddamn review, new guy. Uh, and number one. You're shitty rim God, that's such a terrible term. Laurel. <laughs> Laurel. 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 Go ahead. Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who next? Okay. Number one, Victoria Tazinski at Victoratron. I am Victoratron. 
At Bastards Podcast, please fire the CCM Corner segment into the sun or I'm hashtag saddling up my unsubscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> can, so we do, can we do Conquer the Pacific but for I think, uh, CCM Corner? Uh, no. We should. We did them for special music, though. Yeah. We did. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well. They should cover that song. Yeah. yeah. Saddle up your horses. No. Yeah. I Challenge. <laughs> Gauntlet is Vicky thrown. Vicky Vicky Toos Toos. Oh, Vicky Tron. I'll tell you what you can do. She might like Tori Tori Toots Toots better. I mean, <laughs> Tori Tori Toots Vicky sounds like someone my age. I don't know. Vicky Tron. I like that. Vicky so Tron. I, I, think, I think that her band, Conquer the Pacific, go catch their stuff on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, check it um, out. Should cover Saddle Up Your Horse. Oh, my yes. God. That would yeah, be amazing. Saddle Up oh, man. Your Horse. They'd go viral. Yes. Do it. Or that fucking song, Lumber Song by yeah. Eli. No, I don't. Do I don't think it has enough. Uh, I feel like I missed something when I missed that part you, of the. Well, uh, you, you, you did. Yeah. Just just from what I was hearing down Boy. here. Yeah, you missed more uh, meritocracy, merit merit based theology. Oh, neat. So, so the yeah. huge then. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hashtags. We already um, played the theme song. I'm not playing it again. Okay. Did we? Yeah, I did. We you were talked about. Hashtag. Sorry, I'll be. Hashtag the Kenosha Kickers. Hashtag thank you, Angela Lansbury. Hashtag Cheeto dust on our mouths. Oh. Hashtag. I don't know what that was in reference it to. Was in the, it was, that's horrifying. Hashtag tick Matt Han. <laughs> I support hashtag that. Hashtag old Pete. Old Pete. <laughs> hashtag gigantic pile of wood. <laughs> hashtag finger mega. <laughs> okay, that's the winner. I don't give a shit what anybody else has. That's Is it mega or maga? Mega. 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 Finger mega. <laughs> Finger me. That's so funny. Finger me at what was it? Something easy. It's like, yeah, CW. It was the CW. <laughs> All of Michael's favorite shows are from the CW. I, I hate the CW. But I, I will stand up against that. I hate the CW. It's terrible. Do you, though? No, I do. But I he legitimately... loves the OC. Hey, that was on Fox. Don't call so it that. Me. Don't call it that. Uh, hashtag hairstyling fingers. Hashtag bitch slapped with a piece of meat. <laughs> and then, the Lucas Allen story. <laughs> and then hashtag senior GPS. <laughs> so they called him. Nobody caught it. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't even hear that. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, All right. I had a tick, Matt Hahn. <laughs> um, lum- lumber shortage. Uh, this was a good line from the, the story. Singer story. Good line from the story was interfering with a cow. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. So you call it what you want, but he really was interfering with he that was. cow. Yeah, uh, thin spaghetti. There's uh, <laughs> vomit on his sweater already. Thin, thin spaghetti. <laughs> uh, responsible meat owner. <laughs> Kudos to your joke there. Never forget. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you memorializing that shit pile of a joke. My wow. shitty attempt at a shoot two beams of light up there forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's really funny? 
I was sitting there searching for a 9-11 joke and thought, nah, too wow. soon. Lucas <laughs> just <laughs> jumps right off the cliff. Wow. <laughs> no, I'll Holy some, shit. I'll, I'll have some couth, and I'm not going to do it. I had a, I had one really, really going. I, <laughs> I decided not to. And you just were head first. Like oh. Pete Rose into third base right there. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Knock what? knock. <laughs> no. Nope. Who's there? Nine eleven. No. You said you'd never forget. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that was all right. Wait, is Steve Austin back on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. All we need is some Helen Keller. Jokes. I spent like any of those. I spent like three days with Steve, and I'm still broken and ruined. <laughs> I used to be the nice one. Um, hashtag Cheeto Dust Confessional. Um, and hashtag from the review meat worth listening to <laughs> basically what she said do you have any I don't know right, I, keep any. Uh, I got tick Matt Han <laughs> I've got uh, just gonna offend all of you so Brad the incel um, <laughs> That's uh, really good. Uh, <laughs> That's really, really good. Uh, I've got Lucas G.I. Jane. <laughs> Lucas is G.I. Jane. I can't read. Uh, gigantic pile of wood. <laughs> uh, I do like that one a lot. It's on brand. Hashtag, this one's long. Hashtag, a bird in the hand is worth a fist of the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this one's impossible to be a hashtag, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hashtag finger me at ingloriouspastor.edu. <laughs> at jizzmuzzle.edu. Yes. Jizzmuzzle.edu. Uh, oh. um, <laughs> finger me. Hashtag John Candy of Podcasts. Hashtag real, real power move. Uh, hashtag thank you, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Hashtag the ghost of Ralph Nader. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Ralph Nader. Yeah, it was from, that was from the interview. It's good stuff. Hashtag oh my God. Tony Robert T- Tony Robbins on steroids. Uh, hashtag plastic smile and a cross cap. And the Matt Polly story. Yeah. My my personal favorite. Steve Austin broke and ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's all I got. I kind of like Gigantic Pile of Wood. I like uh, Finger Mega. I do. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I like that a lot. I like Tick Matt Han, but no one can spell it. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have just Tick as in the, the little... No, uh, it's, it's not it. I know, I know it's not. I know Three it's Three T's and like, an H and a... I just need to be able to sound this shit out. <laughs> um, Bitch. Meh, huh, He'll change his Twitter huh, handle huh, when he huh. gets back on. <laughs> there was one we had. That uh, is happening, by the way. Polly. Well, I think Brandon had one after we stopped recording last week. And Polly named something. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what For it me? was either, though. Yeah. When I was it was asleep. really great. Yeah. I went to bed at 6.15 that night. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, man. 
Woke up at 10 30, ate some granola, and went back to bed. I like, eight. I like Finger Mega for my list. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I like Finger Mega. That's pretty good. That's pretty on brand. We're going to do Finger yes, Mega? Yes, we are. For Jonathan Merritt. Poor Jonathan Merritt. We're sorry. Um, Listen, it's all in context. Yes. You just In what context is that okay? <laughs> this coming from the podcast that has the Anne Frankum as a as a hashtag. Well, that can't be the best I one stand we've behind, ever done. Stand behind God. it. All right. So if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with hashtag Finger, Finger Mega. M-E-G-A, right? Yep. Mega. Yep. We're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. No, uh, we're not. At Polly Name at well, yes, we are. I'm not. Well, I didn't. Brad doesn't. What? Is Brad's wrong not on board. Brad, Brad I want to go like home. Slowly declines God. in the last five minutes of this. Not well, twenty minutes. I get to about nine fifteen, and I'm like, "All right, it's bedtime." Collectively, we're all on Twitter as Pastors Podcast. At Pastors Podcast at Polly Name Shore. Polly N M D Shore. I. Yeah, I won't see it. And at MJ Basinger. <laughs> Go ahead and tweet me. I don't give a shit. Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Instagram, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. New guy. Check out our website, IngloriousPastards.com, Jizzmuzzle.com. Uh, support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Support us on Patreon and join the Pastors Pub. You get access to the spinoff podcasts and all the other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon.com slash podcast. So long, suckers. Out. Check out Twisted Sisters. Yeah, I'll be back next week. Yeah. Yeah, because I think really you were back away. this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll be back. We're still not doing a funeral. How we're, we're doing how, a, how was we're doing it a Viking funeral. came in. We did news, and then he wasn't here for the interview. And then it's it weird. Strange. It's almost like he had to take a dump or something. Yeah. I tried. And Chick Fil A today. He couldn't. He couldn't do it, so he had to rub one out instead. <laughs> Jerking off. Something's got to leave this body. Well, I am having surgery tomorrow on my right hand, so I, like I need to <laughs> jerk it off. Repetitive now. motion injuries uh-huh. suck. Man. That's what they said it was. I said yes, it was. <laughs> well, can we not end the podcast on me talking about jerking no, that's off? That's probably how we're going to end it I'm with sure. a micropene. <laughs> Nanopene. No, it's neither of those things. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> <laughs>